Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. I'm Patience Adamu. And I'm Curtis Vermont. And this is The Trip, a podcast about political decision-making during a racial revolution. Stay tuned as we talk about Canadian news and Black issues on a regular basis. And if you support our work to keep you informed, please subscribe. This week, we have the pleasure of hosting two lead cast members from The Porter, a Canadian series that tells the story of the first Black labor union in North America, which will air starting tonight on CBC and later in the year on BET+. Those cast members are Ronnie Rowe Jr. and Muna Tavre. Yes! Yes! <laughs> Come on! That was a first! Come on, French immersion! Yes, yeah. <laughs> Oh, c'est tout. De rien, de rien, de rien. Okay. A son of Jamaica, Cuba, and Panama, Ronnie Rowe Jr., who plays Zeke Garrett, started his career doing theater classics like The Wizard of Oz, Grease, and Oliver Twist. Fast forward to 2017, where he starred as the lead in his first feature film, Black Cop, which premiered at the 2017 Toronto International Film Festival, as well as a supporting role in the film Achilles Escape which premiered at the 2020 Toronto Film Festival to rave reviews. Ronnie is a man on the move, having just wrapped filming Man from Toronto opposite Kevin Hart coming this fall. He also just finished his fourth season on the hit sci-fi series Star Trek Discovery on CBS. On top of that, Ronnie has played TV guest stars on Pretty Hard Cases, Carter, and Digstown, to name a few. Muna Traoré, who plays Marlene Massey, is an actor, writer, and award-winning filmmaker on the rise. Muna was most recently seen in the hit Netflix original series, The Umbrella Academy, and self-made opposite Octavia Spencer, as well as in the FXX series, Nine Films About Technology. Muna was born and raised in downtown Toronto to immigrant parents from Mali and Haiti. While pursuing her bachelor's degree at U of T, Muna simultaneously embarked on a career in film and television. She has appeared in a variety of roles, including starring as Vanessa Hastings on BET's In Contempt and as Ruby Goodchild on the Stars Network's American Gods. A true multifaceted artist, Muna also writes and produces her own work, including the short film Adorn, which won the award for Best Short Film at the Montreal International Black Film Festival and is continuing to screen at festivals in Canada and the U.S. Set in Montreal in the early 1920s and inspired by real events, the porter follows train porters Junior Massey and Zeke Garrett, Junior's wife Marlene, and others as a tragedy in the community sets them on starkly different paths to a better life. While Junior takes advantage of a broken system to pursue money and power in gambling and bootlegging, Zeke fights the railway to change the system from within by unionizing the Black Porters, forming the first ever Black Union that North America had ever seen. 
the series aims to reframe Black Canadian history by featuring the fullness and diversity of the Black diaspora, including those who came from small Caribbean states and made a big impact on North America. The groundbreaking series will tell stories that we seldom learn about in Canada, from pan-Black Canadian history, colorism, Black excellence and ambition, to the birth of North America's first Black labor union. And we're so honored to help this cast tell this story today. Muna, Ronnie, happy Family Day long weekend. How you both doing? I'm sure you're both very excited about the series launch today. Yeah, it's a wonderful feeling to finally see something that we worked so hard for and has been through so much Mm -hmm. be screened publicly. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Uh, Happy Family Day. And um, I want you guys to introduce me everywhere, if you can. (laughs) (laughs) We we do an okay job, right? You know? (laughs) That was a pretty banging introduction. I was like, ooh, Ronnie. <laughs> you, know, you, guys, you guys have me feeling myself real quick. I was like, oh, yeah, y'all right, Ronnie. Okay. <laughs> we like to give our roses, man. Yeah, man. yeah. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate you guys. As you should. Well, thank you so much for being here. And this is excellent. We've got plenty to discuss about your work and the series. So why don't we jump right in? Let's do it. So, Ronnie, you were actually my favorite from the sneak peek that we got of the show. You've got that strong, silent thing going for you in that character of Zeke. That's how I describe Zeke. Mm -hmm. How would you describe Zeke, the character that you play, in three words? Um, Well, thank you, first off. Um, And I'll say strong, Mm -hmm. calculated, Mm. and passionate. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. You know... um, Muna, your character, Marlene, is the matriarch, not just of the Massey family, but of the community in a way. I personally see her as devoted, studious, and just. How would you describe, as Zeke would say, Miss Marlene? Yes, I would say Miss Marlene. (laughs) um, I think she's curious. What's a different word for subversive? Like, um, she's defiant mm. and compassionate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely see all those. Yeah. The, the, the Porter is a Black show on Canadian television. For context for our listeners, that's almost unheard of. Much of our art has historically been produced few and far between, and once created, consumed overseas or on dedicated platforms. So just to be able to say the porter is on CBC, well, that makes me happy because it's about damn time. Right? I'm curious, though, what kind of energy did you feel on set while shooting with your colleagues? Actually, I'll let Muna go first. Ladies first, please. Oh, thank you, Ronnie. Um, I would say the energy was, you know, palpable. I think everybody was very excited, but also anxious to do this project justice and do the history. Justice. Mm-hmm. There was a kind of like, you know, a buzzing energy about like, are, are we're really doing this? I think especially coming from sort of the creative team, specifically Arnold Pinnock, who's been working on this for, you know, over a decade. Mm-hmm. He has put his life and soul into this project. And I think it was literally for so many people watching seeds that they had sown so long ago come to bear fruit, yeah. mm-hmm. which is exciting and nerve wracking all at once. 
Yeah, especially if you're trying to get the story right, because if it's done right, it could have ramifications for decades to come, right? Exactly. Yeah. Ronnie, how about you? I, I would echo everything that Muna said. Um, and what I would add to it is um, I, I, I feel there was a, a pressure um, hmm. uh, just to one, because of where it stands in Canadian television being the first of its kind. Mm -hmm. um, and then also just paying homage and, and doing justice to these people that came before us and, and really wanting to honor them and, and make them proud. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, before we get into the real deep content issues, you know, Muna, you always look so stunning in The Porter. And I know from your interview with Forbes that hair and makeup has been a real issue for you and for, frankly, for most Black actresses that, who show up on set. Uh, with actresses getting tied to makeup artists who don't have their shades or hairstylists who have never worked with 4C hair before. Um, but this time, given the cast and the focus, have you felt catered to? And and also, is this the first time that you felt that way on a set? Um, I've been fortunate. I've worked on a number of productions with Black hair and makeup teams. So when we did Actually, Ronnie and I worked together on a show called In Contempt, which was a BET show. Mm -hmm. And we had um, a fantastic black hair team on that show. Yeah. Obviously, on Self Made, Inspired by the Life of Madame C.J. Walker, they made sure our hair was done. <laughs> <laughs> you know? like, that show was about hair. Right. So mm -hmm. it, there was no way that that was ever going to be an issue on that show. Right. And they did a phenomenal job working with my natural hair. They had some women in wigs. It was across the board, a great experience. But I would say I've had plenty of experiences where it was the opposite. Mm. Um, I'm not going to name any specific productions. You just have to watch to see that my edges are not done. My <laughs> and, and, and like, you can see it for yourself. It's like, I had people on Twitter blasting me being like, how do they do you like that? I wish Why they let you get out the house I like know, that? And I'm like, I was in my trailer trying to fix it, but you know, when you have a job to do, you can yeah. only do so much. And, you know, I can only bring yeah. so many products with me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Thank you for that candor, by the way. My girl is going to love that perspective because <laughs> that same conversation happens pretty regularly in this household. Whenever we see people on TV, it's like, why? What happened? But yeah, we get it. We get it. So... Jumping into the meat and potatoes of the show, you know, the oxtail and rice and peas or the tasso and fried plantain of the show. Hey, fried plantain? Hold on. There's no porridge in there? And the tasso too, man. What do you mean? <laughs> from the very beginning of The Porter, we see tension arising literally from the jump in every scene. There's tension in Pops's bar, which is under constant surveillance by Montreal police, who he literally has to pay off just to breathe. There's tension between Junior and Marlene over their dilapidated tenement home and their challenges in raising an autistic son. There's the tension of both Black men and women striving for more, but being pigeon-held by a world that would rather see them suppressed. And then there's tension of knowing you should have better, but being afraid to pursue it. Case in point, Zeke was afraid to demand better conditions for himself and his colleagues out of fear of reprisal. It's not because he lacks character or courage, it's because, as he put it, and I'm going to try to do your voice again, <laughs> white folks hate to see a Negro turn from a boy to a man. Learn that the hard way. Okay, okay. <laughs> Actor. What was, 
<laughs> so what was Zeke's mindset? After all, he was a military man and had seen conflict alongside Junior. So what was he afraid of in your mind? Um, you know, uh, I don't know if he was afraid more so than being calculated mm. um, and understanding time and place. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, because the pursuit of what he's going after is to fix that very thing. So I don't know if he's scared. You're, you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. I, ju- I just feel that he couldn't act uh, the way that he wanted to or out of emotion. Zeke tries to separate emotion from logic so that he can make the the best decision with the least amount of casualties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It kind of seems like... Uh, for the better of himself and the situation, his emotions do get the hang of him or the, the hold of him uh, based on that tragedy that does occur. And we'll let our viewers, our mm. listeners find that out for themselves. Well, yeah, most definitely that's, that's the catalyst that started everything, I think for uh, a good amount of the characters in the show, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it was the whole wanting to protect the things that you love and how could I do that without um, acting in a way of violence or that can get me killed immediately. Mm-hmm. Acting with wisdom. Exactly. And Luna, there was plenty of brewing conflicts both between Marlene and Gwendolyn as well as Marlene and Eli of the Universal Negro Improvement Association. But she seems to, in a way, use that to her advantage, doesn't she? Can you speak more to that? Yeah, I mean, I think both things... I think they're they're very different worlds for her. Obviously, Gwen is her best friend, and that's a space of safety, and she really values her friendship with Gwen. So although there's there's like a push and a pull, I think she feels a kind of loyalty, loyalty and commitment to Gwen that sort of supersedes everything. Whereas with mm. within the United Negro Improvement Association and in her relationship with Eli, he's a new upstart who just got here. And <laughs> I think that although she wants to work within this organization and she is so inspired and connected to the mission of the movement, she doesn't necessarily think that he is the right custodian to guide their specific chapter forward. And so I think that the resistance between her and Eli forces her to get really creative about how she is going to go about setting things right and, um, doing the kind of work that she knows her community deserves. Loki, I can't stand that guy. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) You can't stand brother Eli? Props to Mazinga. Because Mazinga did such a terrific job of being that guy. It's like, you're so clean out here. You think you know everything. Oh, I hated Mm. him when I was Marlene, but I loved him. (laughs) I loved him as soon as we finished the scenes. It's good to know he's a good person and, and an excellent yeah. actor, obviously. So yeah, he sure. leaned in. He leaned right in. <laughs> All the way. Being a porter seemed like an easy enough job, but the show illustrates very early on how dangerous the work was. Realities about being a porter also underscore the shame and the ridicule that these men felt of never being allowed to reach their full potential despite having so much to offer. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't want to spoil it for the audience, but Ronnie, can you share anything you learned about the way Black people were treated in Canada post-World War One that you didn't know before you started filming the show? Well, I could speak on the Porter's experience from what I, I, uh, I researched. Mm-hmm. And I mean... They, they were asked to do like 72 hour runs 
on trains and um, would maybe get allotted three hours, a three hour break Mm. um, combined. And the thing is where, (laughs) where the porters were asked to like rest or take their breaks was actually in the smoke room at the back of the car like at the back of the train. So, and you didn't have a bed or anything like that. So you had to sit like smell or be around smoke or someone possibly still smoking at the time, um, just to rest. Um, (laughs) yeah, they were asked to do some pretty ridiculous things, but it's coming off of the heels of slavery. Right. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. they were like, Hey, these guys weren't getting nothing before, so let's just give them next to nothing and they'll be happy for it. And what I also understood was that they were so grossly underpaid is they were counting on tips. And that's why you always saw like a smile on their face or or, or whatever is because they were trying to sway the customer into giving them what was really going to take care of them when they went home. One can only imagine the working conditions that porters were facing across the country, considering that, you know, countries like Canada, just about every country has always had class issues. And Mm -hmm. in that time, in the 20s, uh, you know, from the 1900s, from 1900 right up to 1920 and beyond, but certainly in that period, that is when the white working class began to rise up because of the destitution that they were facing. Mm And and apparently, because somebody made the rules this way, blacks were below them. Yeah. So just imagine, just imagine. And and sorry, just one other righteous thing though was that a lot of the porters were very well educated. Mm-hmm. 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 And you we kind of saw that reflected, didn't we? Most definitely, but yeah, like a lot of them were like going to school or had education prior. So I just want people to know that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a scene at the beginning of episode two between Zeke and the labor speaker from Harlem. I believe his name was Mr. Randell. Where hey, Philip Randolph. Mr. Randolph. There we go. Yeah. Where Zeke asked for insight on how to organize in the face of opposition. And Mr. Randolph responded, the great fear of the white worker is that our elevation means their elimination. Management me. feeds this fear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need to get you like on a on a thing and a thing. Yes, yeah. yes, but one thing at a time. Wow. <laughs> Body in it, man. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, hold on a second. My fault. My fault. Go ahead. Uh, all good. Management feeds this fear to keep them blind to the power of a unified workforce. Find an ally on the other side. End quote. I thought it was significant because it spoke to the fundamental strategy of dividing and conquering still at play today by those who hold power and resources. But I wonder what the significance of that exchange was for you. Ronnie, you can definitely go first. Muna would love to hear your perspective too. Uh, for me, for me as Zeke? Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, it, it, just, it just informed Zeke that it was about you have more leverage being a friend to your enemy than an enemy to your enemy. Mm. And mm. Um, the only way to, to get close is for him to entrust you, uh, entrust me and find value in me for him. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it's show your value. And then from that, gain their trust to um, uh, attack from the inside. And that's exactly what he did. Muna, did you have any thoughts you wanted to share with that with that particular? I uh... do, but I don't want to have any give away any spoilers because it sort of feeds into um, what happens between Zeke and Marlene 
because they're obviously mm. quite good friends and um, um, they offer support to each other. And I, I think that without giving anything away, um, that message gets to Marlene and she finds a way to uh, work within the UNIA and the Black Cross nurses to um, achieve her goals. Indeed. Indeed. You know, in the spirit of not giving anything away, my, my next question is kind of cryptic. Um, so although the, the Black community has come a long way, right? We, we, we've, we have TV shows that, that speak about our history and we have, you know, all Black shows, all Black casts. We have Black people behind the scenes, in front of the camera. We, we have so much further <laughs> to go. And I think we've, we've all known that. But since the, the racial reckoning, since George Floyd, everyone finally agrees. And we're seeing funding come down the pipeline. We're seeing uh, shows get greenlit. We're seeing people a little bit more interested uh, in our stories and influenced by our stories. But I want to know from both of you, can you speak to some other spaces, either within your industry, so the screen, the the screen industry, or outside of your industry, where we need greater representation? Well, I think we definitely need greater representation in um, educational institutions. Um, so not only in elementary school and um, high school, but also in post secondary school. Um, I've been learning about the lack of programming related to Black Canadian history um, mm -hmm. in universities and colleges across Canada, but also the lack of representation of the stories of these Black men and women, or specifically the porters within railway museums and in spaces that seek mm -hmm. to document, you know, collective history. They just simply omit or disregard the very real contributions of black and brown people. And that definitely needs to change. Mm -hmm. As a follow-up to that, Muna, like I, it's funny that you say that because I um, have just been doing some, some research around um, the, the Chinese and how, so they, they, you know, built, they infamously um, built the, 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 the railway, the, the Canada Pacific Railway, and uh, a number of hundreds of them died while building that. And I think that's maybe common knowledge now, but uh, you're absolutely right that um, stories about the people who were on the trains after, like, like the, the oppression was not just limited to the building of the railway system. The oppression lasted um, much, much longer than that. Yeah. Did both of you guys know about the, like, you know, the hundreds of Chinese folks who, who died while building the railway? I did, but... I also grew up in downtown Toronto and um, I had Chinese friends who I think were descended from people who immigrated to oh. Vancouver to be, to be part of that labor force. Right. Um, but this all makes me think of a term that I just saw Aurora James post on her Instagram, which is not um, underrepresented, but historically excluded. Thinking about right. groups of people as being historically excluded rather than underrepresented because yeah. it it definitely indicates that it was intentional, that it was intentional yes. that these people, these communities were spoken of or not spoken of because they were assumed to be disposable. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Ronnie, any, any insight on maybe where we need greater, maybe I won't use the word representation, but where we need greater inclusion or 
um, where we where our stories need to be highlighted? Well, I, I just I, I think Muna hit it on the head. I, I yep. think it really yeah. starts like in the educational system. Like you know, mm-hmm. like I, it blew my mind that I just learned about porters through doing this work. Mm-hmm. Like to the extent that I did, and how important they were, and and just immigration and the the civil rights movement, and I'm just like, why did I not know this? You know, um, the, the thing that I don't I don't understand is how everything that is associated with us is labeled black first, and then the thing, instead mm. of just being the thing. Mm. Mm. You know, it's kind of a, a good segue into my into our next question. So. I feel as if in the last decade, being between 2010 and 2020, we we had the book of Negroes that propelled a certain version of black stories in Canada. Uh, For our listeners, for context, the book of Negroes, which premiered in 2015, saw 1.7 million Canadians tune in to watch the first episode, making it the highest rated original drama on CBC since Road to Avonlea's January 7th, 1990 premiere. That was a super white chill. It's probably why you didn't hear about it. Anyway... (laughs) With that said, <laughs> Jab. with that said, what kind of viewership are you expecting for the Porter and how do you see this series impacting black Canadian progress over the coming decade? And feel free to speak to it from a, a you know, an art and heritage, a political economic perspective, any which one you want. Mona, go ahead. Well, I think that the show is definitely going to reach to a wider demographic. I think, it's the first time so many people are going to be able to connect with these characters and see themselves on Canadian television or see mm-hmm. people in their family. So many people have, you know, grandfathers, uncles that were porters, um, you know, family members who were a part of the black community in Montreal. And so I think that those really personal stories are going to draw people in. But then I also mm-hmm. think in terms of education and educational spaces, this show is a great tool and perhaps will be, you know, screened in colleges or in high schools where they're going to have discussions about this element of history and perhaps, you know, younger audiences will tap in as well. Yeah. I think uh, it has the potential to hit a wide range of people. And uh, again, because the things that you experience in the show are universal, it's just the black people happen to be going through. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I think it is, uh, it's, it's important because it allows a scope into, uh, a culture and a people that you haven't really seen that deep. And, and I speak on like the in and out of dialects and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like we were doing it on this interview today, but yeah. n- not everybody's exposed to that type of uh, black Canadian, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's important and it's very progressive because it's not a trauma story. Mm-hmm. You, you know, yep. it doesn't harp on the traumas of the experience. Yes. It yes. It's, it touches on obstacles, but you know what I mean? I don't, I don't need to see somebody getting whipped, yo. For real. Yeah. You know, real. I, 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 there, there are certain things you could leave to the imagination and you know what's going on, but I don't need to see that over and over again. And I think the one thing about the Porter is it's very digestible. Um, Mm -hmm. Even still with hitting emotional strings, it's still very digestible without having you want to like, like just box something in front of you. You know what I mean? Street. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I, when I think of the Porter, um, 
And I think of what I think it's going to do a massive job of doing over the next few years. Uh, you know, the government of Canada's theme for Black History Month was um, uh, essentially Black History Forever. But one of the things that many of us, including my own MP, you know, I've had him saying is Black history is Canadian history. Facts. Yeah. And we're going to start, I think, again, this is going to contribute to that, you know, statement just becoming fully and regularly accepted by all. Mm -hmm. And that makes me excited. For sure. I agree. I love that you said that that the, that this is not a trauma story. I think that that, that actually just that that hit me like like mm -hmm. absolutely so often. Um, and I I don't want to say that this is why people tuned in for Book of Negroes, but that that shouldn't be why folks tune in for Black Canadian shows. It shouldn't be to see. It shouldn't be for that for, for trauma. It shouldn't be to to be shocked by you know the evil of you know. It should be. Um, more nuanced, which uh, I, I absolutely think the Porter is. Definitely. So what's next for both of you? Can we expect the both of you to keep playing groundbreaking roles that tell um, the, these buried Black stories? Well, I don't know if you know this, but um, Ronnie is most definitely going to be playing a superhero sometime soon. <laughs> Oh, talk the vision. I'm not talking about a little like one two piece of ab. He has a whole six pack. Oh, okay. Yeah. And they need to be. What seen. about you? Oh, I got fabs. <laughs> <laughs> I got fat abs. Oh my goodness. Oh my but God. but I mean, we're not asking about the abs or, or the fabs for that matter. We're asking about. The work to come. Oh, so I mean, yeah. personally, I'm I'm just I'm honestly right now just focusing on um, uh, writing and creating my own work and mm -hmm. filling my cup. So not really being industry focused and just creating for the sake of creating um, and uh, doing me. I love that. Um, I, I I'm very much want to be playing um, important roles that represent our people in a, a, a positive light, but just a truthful light of mm -hmm. like, of, of, of who we are and what we have to, to share with the world. You know, I think we, we got magic and I, I just, yeah. I just want to um, be able to play more roles like that and, and continue to be choosy about what I actually do. I don't want to do things for the sake of money. I want to do things because they're artistically exhilarating to me. And, mm -hmm. um, and and honestly, I'm just trusting God in in what what He wants me to do. I just make sure I I, I continue to communicate with Him and ask me where to go, mm -hmm. and, and just point me in a direction. And if it feels right, I'm going to go there. And if it doesn't, I'm going to run away from it. Love it. Yeah, I feel very very much the same as Ronnie. Um, we're very fortunate to be in a position to let our instincts guide us forward. And um, yeah, for me, it looks like creating my own stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I do want to say before we kind of formally round up here, like I've been doing some of my own like personal research. I, I do some some consulting, and we, we're 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 finding that um, media depictions of Black people on screen in Canada uh, is really closely tied to how people feel about Black people in Canada in terms mm -hmm. of being scared of us or thinking that we're you know 
evil, aggressive, you know, all of the the stereotypes. So I, I just want to thank you guys for doing like pursuing the, the, this, these careers and and these stories and doing it with integrity because if we have more people more black people who just say no to doing these stereotypical harmful roles and, and depictions of black folks then eventually hopefully <laughs> the writers and the people who are greenlighting these stuff will stop and maybe think twice about reaffirming those stereotypes because that that's really um where we have to get we have we have to get to a point where like we're not always the thugs, the drug dealers, mm. the you know. So you guys know I don't have to go into this, but yeah, sure. um, it, it's certainly it's it's so important that uh, we're all on the same page. You know, <laughs> black people are all on the same page. Like, okay, say no to that. Okay, don't write that, uh, and um, that we um, start to to you know convince Canadians all Canadians, that Black people are full human beings. 100%. I think it really starts with having networks, producers, um, people who are part of the development side of things champion Black voices and, and Black mm-hmm. content and and um, really push for things that are dynamic and that challenge those mm-hmm. stereotypes. Uh, I think for a long time, the gatekeepers have been maintaining a certain status quo, and now the color of the gatekeepers mm-hmm. are changing. And so we were very lucky to be invited to be part of a project where from the very base, the foundation, everybody really understood and was committed to opening things up and making a statement. And so I'm really grateful for Arnold and Bruce and everybody at Sienna and Inferno for and BT and CBC for giving this show a chance. Well, we can't wait to see the fruits of your, your storytelling and, and your, your careers. And we hope that maybe you'll come back on the show when the time comes, when you have your, your next big uh, show or, or film. Uh, we'd, we'd love so much to have you back. Yeah, it'd be an absolute pleasure. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it was so much fun talking with you guys. Awesome. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much. Wait, Curtis, Curtis, can I get the Miss Marlene one more time? Let me, let me um, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Miss Marlene. <laughs> Honestly, the, 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 the A from the Randolph, though, was was absolutely crazy. I was just like, you sounded <laughs> just like Milton. I'm like, this is, this is mine. <laughs> I've always been good with voices. It's just one of my charms. And uh, yeah, it it is what it is, man. Thank you for recognizing. You've just listened to episode 80 of The Drip. We're releasing pods on a regular basis and we've got more great interviews for you on the way. So subscribe to stay up to date. You can also keep up with us on our Instagram and through our Patreon pages dedicated to the podcast. Follow us or support us at The Drip T.O. You know, we love our many listeners, but a message specifically to our Black listeners, we hope that you know that this is a safe space for you. So if you have any feedback or questions, feel free to slide in our DMs and let us know what's up. We'd also like to give a special shout out to Toronto's very own Be On Location for the sounds you're hearing now. You can find more tracks from him wherever you get your music. Thanks again to the cast from The Porter for joining us. See y'all next time.
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.